Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bitcoin Blueprint podcast with your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today as we take another step down the Bitcoin rabbit hole to discuss another topic in Bitcoin. And today, what we will be talking about is Bitcoin's role in banking the unbanked. Now, for most people in the Western and developed world, we're used to having access to a lot of the financial services and tools that are available to us. But for a large part of the population, this is not the case. So today I want to explore how Bitcoin can play a role in banking the unbanked and bring more financial inclusivity to the world. So without further ado, let's get started. Now, what exactly do I mean by being unbanked? And what I mean by unbanked is that it talks about the current population of people around the world that lacks access to traditional banking services. This includes not having bank accounts, credit cards, loans, or any form of financial services provided by formal banking institutions. According to the World Bank's global Findex database, as the last updates in April of 2023, there are roughly 1.7 billion adults worldwide who are unbanked, meaning these people do not have access to an account at a financial institution or through a mobile money provider. And of course, the issue of being unbanked is typically more prevalent in developing countries, particularly in regions such as Sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia, and parts of Latin America. Now, these regions can suffer from a lack of banking infrastructure, which, which is one of the reasons why it makes it so challenging for the residents to become banked. But being unbanked often correlates with poverty because without access to financial services, individuals and businesses struggle to save securely, invest in their future, or protect themselves against economic shocks. Now, as I was talking about previously, being unbanked has significant negative implications for individuals and communities, because those without bank accounts often face financial instability as they lack the secure means to save money and may not have the safety net in emergencies. Along with that, they incur higher cost for financial transactions, relying on services like check cashing or payday loans, which oftentimes come with steep fees. And this lack of banking access also limits economic opportunities because the unbanked have trouble obtaining credits or loans, which are of course essential for investing in education, starting businesses, or buying homes. On top of that, this population is often excluded from the mainstream economy, and this really hampers their ability to participate in online transactions, and then further broadens the gap in this economic inequality. 
Additionally, because they don't have a bank account, they have to store large amounts of money in cash. And this creates a lot of security risks because imagine that you have to you know, store all of your money and net worth in cash. Um, and especially if we're talking about more rural areas, this can be a big security issue. And not only that, but saving and storing your money can be an issue, but also sending and receiving payments is problematic because everything has to be done through cash and you lack a lot of the infrastructure that we are used to today with banks and other financial institutions to, you know, facilitate these transactions. And furthermore, being unbanked contributes to this cycle of exclusion because without a banking history, it's difficult to establish credit worthiness, which is of course often necessary for securing housing, utilities, or phone contracts. And you miss out on a lot of the financial benefits that come with traditional institutions, such as an interest on savings, consumer protection service, and the list really goes on and on and on. So while a large part of the population, you know, is used to having these financial services and institutions in place, there are still 1.7 billion people out there who lack this infrastructure, who aren't able to, you know, participate in the modern economy and advance themselves financially. And that is a big problem. And There's a lot of ways that I think that we can fix this, but I think one of the biggest ways is through Bitcoin. Now, how may Bitcoin do this, you may ask? Well, essentially, Bitcoin can enhance financial inclusion because it simplifies the process of accessing financial services for the unbanked and these underbanked populations. And this is because it eliminates many of the traditional barriers that we need for formal identification, high transaction fees, and the necessity for a physical banking infrastructure. Essentially, anybody anywhere across the world with an internet connection and some type of mobile device can participate in a global economy through a Bitcoin wallet which bypasses this need for a traditional bank account. So that's as a broad statement how Bitcoin can bank the unbanked. But let's dive a bit into the specifics of the functionalities that Bitcoin has, which aids in this financial inclusion. And the first one is the obvious one. Because Bitcoin is decentralized, means that it is not controlled by a single entity or a government. And this allows the users to bypass traditional financial intermediaries like banks, reducing this dependency on banks and other financial institutions that may not serve underprivileged or rural populations. Additionally, because Bitcoin is peer-to-peer, It allows for these direct transactions between individuals anywhere in the world. It eliminates the middlemen and reduces fees, 
which increases the efficiency for transfers. And this is incredibly useful, especially if we look at use cases such as sending remittances abroad to a family or friends or whoever it may be. Next, the important point is that Bitcoin is borderless. So there's no international borders in the Bitcoin network. I can send money to someone in South Africa or Australia or Russia or wherever in the world without a financial intermediary. And that's beautiful because before you needed, you know, to go through a wire transfer to a bank and, and it could take a lot of time and money. And now through Bitcoin, there's no borders. I can send it to anybody anywhere across the world and the Bitcoin network does not identify, you know, this country from that country. And it just makes it a lot more easy to do these transactions. Of course, Bitcoin is also digitally accessible, which means that it, all you really need is some type of smartphone or computer and an internet connection, and you can be almost instantly connected to the Bitcoin network, which is something that is becoming increasingly widespread even in developing countries. Users, of course, also have full control of their Bitcoin wallets, which means that this autonomy allows individuals to have the freedom to manage their assets as they see fit without you know, fearing censorship or seizure. And this can be very useful in a lot of these typically politically unstable regions. So these are some of the main features within Bitcoin that allow it to be a very, very good tool for those who are unbanked. As I said, all people really need are an internet connection and some type of smartphone or computer to create a Bitcoin wallet and instantly be connected to the Bitcoin network anywhere across the world. But let's see how that can be put into place to also replace a lot of the existing, you know, financial services that these banks offer. And the first one, of course, is just banking the unbanked, which means that before where individuals had to, you know, store all of their money in cash and keep it at home, individuals now can store a portion of their wealth or as much as they desire into a Bitcoin wallet which can perform many of the basic functions of a bank account, such as securely storing your money, making payments, and conducting transfers without the need for a physical bank. Another very important financial service in developing countries is remittances. And remittances is when somebody in a family or a friend sends money from abroad back home. So say you have a relative who is working in the United States, but you're living in El Salvador with your family, that family member can, can send money from the US to El Salvador. And before that required, you know, traditional financial services and banks, but the remittance market is now one area where Bitcoin has made a significant impact because you can now use Bitcoin to send money across borders quickly and also with much lower fees than these traditional remittance services. And this is particularly beneficial for migrant workers 
who need to send money back to their families. Another financial service that Bitcoin can create for the unbanked is microfinance and lending. Bitcoin enables this microfinance initiatives by facilitating small loans to entrepreneurs and individuals in developing countries. Platforms using Bitcoin can connect lenders directly with borrowers, reducing the costs associated with these intermediaries and making it possible to offer lower interest rates, creating this you know, as I mentioned, like this peer-to-peer economy where I can say I in Europe can finance or send a loan to someone in sub-Saharan Africa. And that is a really cool concept that can come into play. Of course, Bitcoin also allows assets diversification and investment because Bitcoin provides a new asset class for investment which is particularly important in countries with unstable local currencies or restrictive capital controls. Again, we're used to in Europe and the US and maybe a lot of the developing world being used to a relatively stable currency. But if we look at a lot of these countries, especially now, for example, in Argentina, where you have a hyperinflationary currency, Bitcoin allows you to diversify into an asset that is more stable and it allows individuals to protect their savings from inflation or currency devaluation. And lastly, another area where Bitcoin can greatly help is with financial privacy. So for individuals living under repressive oppressive regimes or in environments with a high risk of financial surveillance, Bitcoin offers this degree of privacy and protection against governmental overreach into personal finances. And these are just a few of the services that Bitcoin can offer to individuals, not only in the developing world, but in the, in the developed world, and for people who don't have access to a lot of these services through traditional financial institutions and as we see bitcoin develop more as we see it age and as we see the adoption increase globally we will see a lot more different types of services and you know areas where bitcoin can really facilitate this global economy and that to me is very very exciting because you're removing a lot of the in my opinion junk and middlemen who typically create barriers, who slow down processes, who collect high fees, and you're doing it peer-to-peer in a decentralized way, connecting anybody everywhere across the globe. And that's a very, very important innovation on the side of Bitcoin. Of course, this was an episode where I kind of glazed over how this works and the problem that it solves. There is a really good figure in the Bitcoin space, Alex Gladstein, who wrote a great book called Check Your Financial Privilege, where he dives into this matter in a lot more detail and analyzes the complexities not only of Bitcoin, but the further system of the unbanked and how, you know, a lot of what we take for granted um, in a lot of areas of the world they don't have and how Bitcoin can be a huge 
step towards solving this problem. So if you're interested in learning more about this, then I highly, highly recommend you check out Alex's work and his book. And it's very, very informative and really eye-opening to read more about this. But that being said, that will wrap up this week's episode. I hope I was able to provide some insights and useful information on this matter. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And until next time.